Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. You're pretty equally distributed. You're like, well, thank you. It's like some weeks it's like this section is like, you know, maybe more or less or whatever, but you, you guys are spread out pretty evenly. Maybe I don't need to... No, I'm just teasing. We won't go there. Great worship this morning. Great message in all of those songs this morning. And I think as we get into the message this morning, you'll see why those songs were chosen this morning. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, Hebrews 13 is where we'll eventually go. But to start out with this morning, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 6. So if you want to get to Hebrews 13 and then also John chapter 6. While you're finding those places, I just want to say it was so encouraging to see so many people out for Bible study on Wednesday night, our first Wednesday back after our July break, and we had such a great turnout. And just want to invite you all to come back this Wednesday as we continue our series looking at a section of the book of Psalms that I think will really resonate with you in your walk with God. Uh, this Wednesday, we're having ice cream, and so we invite you to come a little early, and uh, it's supposed to be warming up this week anyway, so ice cream will probably taste pretty good on Wednesday night. Even while Jesus was here on earth and leading people to faith in God, He had those that stopped following him. And that's really what we want to talk about this morning. That's what the author of this book of Hebrews wants to talk about this morning is following Jesus. So I'm going to assume, and again, not not that we should assume, but for the sake of our message today, we're going to assume that everybody in this auditorium is saved. Now, probably not the case, but... We're going to assume that because we're going to talk about following Jesus Christ. And what kind of follower of Jesus Christ are we? How strong is our bond with Jesus Christ? And towards the end, we're going to talk about some ways to strengthen that bond if we feel like it is pretty weak. That there's a connection there, if you will, but not as strong as it should or could be. Now, the reason why we're talking about this and the reason why I wanted you to go to John chapter 6, first of all, is you'll notice beginning in verse 6 or verse 66 of John chapter 6, these words, after this, and after this is speaking about Jesus spoke about some very hard things to those who were following him. He said some very hard things. Things like, the Spirit is the only one that can give you real life. Your human nature doesn't help you at all, as far as that goes. And that was very offensive to a lot of people. It was like, because they wanted to be able to do, if you will... So that they could get the glory for it. So that they could get praised for it. 
They wanted to be sort of the focus rather than God. And so notice what the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 66. After this, some of these hard sayings of Jesus, many of his disciples... Now again, we're not talking at this point in the context of the 12 disciples, but we're talking about simply followers of Jesus Christ. Those who had confessed him and now had followed him. Many of his disciples quit following him and did not accompany him any longer. So Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom would we go? Which is a really good response from Peter who didn't always give good responses to Jesus. Peter's in a sense saying, well, Lord, if I quit following you like these people over here, who am I going to start following? And where am I going to go? Because who has what you have? Who has what you alone can give me? And yet, down through history, from the time that Jesus even himself was on earth, to this very day, there are always examples of Christians. They are saved. They have a relationship with God. At one time, they were followers, just like the recipients of the letter of Hebrews, but they were coming to a place or they had gotten to a place where they say, I'm done. I'm not following Jesus Christ anymore. He's taking me down this road. I don't want to go. I'm going this way. And so, again, it's not a question of our salvation. It's simply a question of where do we get to in our life where we would be willing to cease following Jesus? What would it take in our life to get to? Where would Jesus have to take us to, to where we would say, that's it, I'm done, I'm not following you anymore, Jesus. And that's why the bond that you and I have with Jesus Christ is the primary thing we should be focusing on in our life. Because if we really don't have a strong bond with Jesus Christ, there will come those crises of faith, if you will, throughout our lives where we could be just like the Hebrews and say, nope, I'm gone. I mean, you think about this even in our human relationships. If our relationships with one another is not strong, if there's not been a bond that has truly developed between people, then those relationships will not last forever. They cannot be sustained under the pressures and circumstances and things of life. And we live in a world today that magnifies the brokenness of people and the brokenness of relationships. Very few people can say that I had this person as a friend or companion or whatever in my life for 
40, 50 years. And Jesus understood that. And many even in his day said, I'm done. No more following. No more being a disciple of you. And so, notice then in Hebrews chapter 13, these words. And first of all, I want to direct your attention to the words that the author says in verse 13 of Hebrews 13. We must go out to him. Those words speak about continuing to follow Jesus no matter what happens because of it, no matter what we are going to face because of continuing to follow Jesus, or that wherever Jesus follows, we are going to be willing to go. This is what the author has been building to throughout these 13 chapters. We must continue to follow Jesus, no matter what. Are you at that place in your life? Would you be able to confidently say that no matter what happened in my life, no matter what price I was called on to pay, no matter what the cost was, no matter what the sacrifice was, I would still follow Jesus. No matter what. Because remember, part of what was really putting the pressure on the recipients of this letter was the severe persecution, the suffering that they were going through because they were followers of Jesus Christ. And obviously, it's very natural in their minds, like, well, if I quit following Jesus, maybe the persecution will, yeah, it probably would. So that's why the author pens these words to these folks because he wants to, to try to give them a perspective that maybe is very cloudy right now because they're not, you know, in a great place spiritually. And maybe that bond that maybe they once had with Jesus has weakened over time and it needs to be restored and repaired. So notice what he says beginning in verse 8 of chapter 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And some even wonder, what does this have to do with following Jesus? And in the context of, of what you're telling me about continuing to follow Jesus, why is this statement of truth so important? Because the author is saying this. Everything on earth, everything that we touch in this life will change. There's not a human being, there's not a relationship, and it's either going to change for good or for bad. But it's always going to be changing. And those around us are always going to be changing. And we might not always know what we're going to get when we turn to these people. Some days this, some days that. Again, constant change. The world is always changing. This week you hear about this, next week we'll hear about something else, and there's this constant change. And so the author is saying, you realize to these folks, and obviously to us as well, that the only real constant in your life, the only thing that you can absolutely count on that will not change, 
and because he exists forever, also shows he's not just immutable. In other words, he's changeless. Changeless. He's indestructible. There's nothing that can ever destroy Jesus Christ or take him away. That the author is saying, that's where we need to, in a sense, plant our flag. Because if you choose to quit following this Jesus who is immutable, he is changeless, and he is indestructible, then you are going to end up following something or something that is going to change on you. It's not going to be as changeless and as indestructible as Jesus Christ. He is the one and only. There is no one else like him. And so he's saying, if you really want stability... You really want security in your life? You've got to keep on following Jesus. Because in a sense, to take up your tent pegs, if you will, from being grounded in the the soil of Jesus Christ and placing your tent and pitching it to someone else or something else, you will never have what only Jesus Christ can provide for us. And that is that kind of rock-solid stability. Again, let me say this. There is not a one of us that doesn't change. And we either, and our relationships with others, either change for the better or for the worse. But they never stay the same, and none of us ever stays the same. You can't always count on this or that. We can't count on the circumstances being the way that they are now. They could change within a minute. 30 seconds. Everything could change in our life in just a few moments. And so can people. Jesus Christ is the only one that we will be connected with, that we can count on as a constant. Always there, always the same, never changing, indestructible. And so then he says, Do not, verse 9, be carried away by all sorts of strange teachings. And the teachings he's referring to there are the teachings that say, well, you got Jesus, but you need or should have or whatever. And and it's really sucking people away from the sufficiency that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Anything that pulls us away from anchoring our lives in Jesus is a dangerous thing. Because again, Jesus is the only real security and stability you and I can have in life. So if someone or something comes along and starts teaching us that we can somehow gain something more by placing our lives on this or that rather than Jesus Christ or pulling us in any way away from Jesus and to something else is a very dangerous, destructive teaching. And that's the thing that, you know, we need to think through is if, again, like Peter said, if I leave following you, I'm going to end up following something else. Some other teaching, some other guru, some other master, some other leader. I'm going to follow some philosophy in my life. And anything that pulls us away from anchoring our lives in Jesus Christ It's going to be a regrettable decision. No matter what we're going through now, no matter what cost or sacrifice we feel like we are making, 
It's going to one day be a regrettable decision because Jesus Christ is the only one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only one. So notice what he goes on to say. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Not ritual meals. And he's saying here in the context that only Jesus Christ can give us that grace and strengthen our hearts and make them strong for the journey and the endurance run that we've been talking about here in the book of Hebrews. No one else can give us that kind of strength. Only Jesus Christ can strengthen our heart that way. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 24.10, if we faint, give up, lose heart, get discouraged enough to throw in the towel in the day of adversity, our strength is small. The only one that can make us stronger, the only one that can build us up and give us that resurrection power is the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet these people were thinking about turning back to their rituals and to their, let's say this one, religion. And the author is saying, you can be as religious as you want to be. It will not profit you. In fact, he goes on to say that. He says, all these rituals and religion have never benefited those who participated in them. Wow. Think about all that people do throughout the world and have done throughout the history of the world to try to be religious. All the sacrifices and, and all the, you know, giving this up and giving that up and making sure they do this and checking this religious box off and that religious duty off and all these things. And he's saying, you realize at the end of the day, all those things built not on a relationship with Jesus Christ, but on your own religion and your own ritual have not strengthened you one iota. You're not any stronger because of all these religious activities that you've done. The thing that will strengthen a human heart, none like nothing else, is to build a bond with Jesus Christ and live in fellowship and constant communion and relationship with Him. That's what makes us stronger. And so many human beings try to get themselves to a better place spiritually without cultivating and building that bond between them and Jesus Christ. Somehow, even as Christians, we think we can forfeit our communion and fellowship and relationship with Jesus and somehow substitute all of these different religious activities and somehow we'll be stronger on the other side. And we're not. In fact, because we've done all these things, but we've not included Jesus Christ and our relationship with him as part of it, we're actually weaker. Weaker. So he says, verse 10, we have an altar. An altar that those who serve in the tabernacle have no right to eat from. Now, I need to give just a little bit of Old Testament background here. Eating from the altar? Yes. If you study the Old Testament, and especially the sacrificial system, you will find that God made provision for the priests and those who were offering sacrifices that not only would the blood of these animals be put on that altar, 
but that they then were allowed to take the meat from those sacrifices and use it obviously to give themselves sustenance. They, they were allowed to eat the meat from the sacrifices. So what he's saying is, as a New Testament believer, so much more than the Old Testament, again, system, He's saying, you realize because we live on this side of the cross and on this side of the resurrection that our lives should blaze with fire because we have such a greater perspective to be able to live from than they even did in the Old Testament age. Because unlike in the Old Testament times, where there was still a lot of inaccessibility. And as we've talked about through our study of Hebrews, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement and offer sacrifice and all this, that you and I have an open door to God at all times. And what he's saying here to all of us now as Christians today is, we basically have a a king's table set before us every day by the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a place where we can come as a true worshiper of Jesus Christ and we can commune with him and we can sit down with him and he will prepare, even as the psalmist said in Psalm 23, a table before me in the presence of my enemies and he will let me feast with him and be nourished and sustained from what only Jesus Christ can provide. An altar. It's that meeting place where you and God meet and where you are strengthened and where you are nourished by Jesus himself. Are you coming to that table every day? That king's table prepared for you by the king of kings and lord of lords. And are you meeting with him? And is that bond between you and Jesus continuing to be strengthened as you come to that altar every day and meet with Jesus? Because you've got it. And how sad to say that many Christians will leave this earth, they will go to heaven, and they say, I had that altar, that place with you, God, all my life, and I never came. I never came. I tried to live life on my own and do things my own way. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying here to these folks. He's saying, guys, you have... You you have got a connection now through your faith in Jesus Christ with the Lord Jesus Christ. No one greater, no one mightier, no one more magnificent and majestic in all the universe than Jesus Christ. And you literally can draw your strength, draw your sustenance, draw your, you know, everything that you need every day from him. And it will never run out. Remember what Jesus said? He said, the water that I want to give you to that woman at the well, he said, it will always be flowing. Because he's an infinite God, it never runs out. And Paul even said to the Philippians, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Not out of his riches, according to. Meaning that it's not like God gives us so much and then goes, Oh, wait a minute, my, my uh, supply's depleted. I, I need to build it back up. There's no end. God can give you as an individual everything you need for that day and then he can give me everything I need for that day and it's not like then he's looking around and going, oh, now what am I going to give you if you come to me? No. He's more than enough. More than enough. 
And you and I as New Testament believers, unlike, again, those who lived in the Old Testament age, we have that altar. Not everybody in the Old Testament, again, had the right, like the certain priest did, to be able to eat and be nourished from the sacrifices. You and I can be nourished from Jesus Himself every day and be strengthened. Because He reminds us, verse 11, the bodies of those animals whose blood the high priest brings into the sanctuary as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. They're burned there because they took upon themselves that curse because they represented sin. And that's why then he goes on to say, therefore, to sanctify you and I, Followers of Jesus Christ. What's it mean to sanctify? It means to set us apart to God. To distinguish us from everyone and everything else. To align us with God. So that God's people would be all in with God. So, so, so connected to God. In this unbreakable bond. That's why Jesus did what he did. Not just to save us. Salvation is great. It's awesome. It's amazing. And the author's already said, what a great salvation we have. I'm not here to minimize our salvation. And we have forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not here to minimize that either. But Jesus Christ died on that cross, rose from the dead, did all that he did on this earth and beyond. Not just to save us, not just so our sins could be forgiven, but so that you and I as the people of God would be all in with God. That we would live our lives on the same page in this unbreakable bond. Because God understands in the world in which we live, in life here on earth and all of that, there's going to come crises of faith. And we are either going to continue to follow Jesus Christ no matter what, or we are going to get to the point like the people did in the Gospel of John and even hear these folks in Hebrews where they say, I'm done. And the only thing that's going to sustain us through those crises of faith in our life is if that bond is so strong, it doesn't matter what comes into our life or what goes out of our life or anything else, we will continue to follow Jesus. I used to sing a song when I was little in church. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. Though none may go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's what the author of Hebrews is trying to get these folks to see. If you quit following Jesus now, just like Peter said, who are you going to go to? Where are you going to go? And then he says this. Therefore, to sanctify the people by his own blood, Jesus also suffered outside the camp. Outside the environs of the city of Jerusalem. Why? Because crucifying people who in that day and age were considered cursed would then bring a curse into the city. So that's why criminals who were considered cursed, and the Bible even says cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. They were crucified outside because it was like, ooh, pollution, contamination. We want that away from us. 
And the Bible says Jesus, because he loved us so much and wanted us to be aligned with God so much and, and have a bond with God so much that Jesus Christ was willing to become a curse for us. He was willing to be abused. He was willing to be insulted. He was willing to be intimidated. He was willing to hear all the innuendos so that he could sanctify the people of God. That's why it says Jesus also suffered outside the camp. So in verse 13, the key phrase of this entire passage is then the author says, so because of now what we know we have in Jesus Christ, Only Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Only Jesus Christ can strengthen a human heart. Only Jesus Christ is the person we have an altar with where we can be nourished and strengthened and all of that every day. Then we must go out to him outside the camp bearing the abuse he experienced. The author's saying, I know it's hard for you right now, you recipients of this letter. I know you're being persecuted. I know you're suffering. But we must get to a place where no matter what God calls upon us to do, we are willing to bear the abuse of following Jesus Christ. Because whatever we have in Jesus is better and greater than anything we could say we are giving up or losing because of following him. And that's what the author wants to get these folks to see. We must be willing to be outsiders. See, so many Christians who live on earth, they want to be insiders when it comes to the world. And yet they also want to be insiders when it comes to God. And John says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If you love the world, then the love of the Father is really not in you. And so many Christians want to be in with the world and yet also in with God at the same time. We've got to be willing to be outsiders because isn't that what we really are anyway? See, my Bible teaches me that this world is not our home territory. We're actually living in enemy territory. The Bible tells me that Satan, the devil, is the God of this world. Well, then why do I want to be an insider if this world and the way it operates and its values and and, and its system and everything is basically anti-God. Which is why then notice what he says. For here we have no lasting city. Verse 14. Here we come across nothing that will endure and that lasts. So then isn't it better to be seeking the city that is sure and certain to come? In other words, he's saying, why do we as followers of Jesus Christ get so invested, if you will, in earthly things? Why for us is it all about this earth rather than the eternity that we know and is sure and is certain is coming? Why do we put all of our emphasis on sort of driving down very deep 
stakes into this earth when we know the Bible teaches nothing of this earth is ever going to last. Isn't it about living for the world to come rather than making it all about this world? So for the next few moments we have together, I want to share with you a few principles about how we can strengthen this bond we have with Jesus Christ today. And it all revolves around what the author just said here in this verse. I want you to turn back with me now to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to give you five ways to strengthen your bond in Jesus Christ. Beginning in chapter 11 of Hebrews verse 13, these all died in faith. Speaking about the examples of the people that he's been mentioning throughout Hebrews. And what that simply tells us is, again, these folks that I'm mentioning here in Hebrews 11, they didn't quit following Jesus. They were still following Jesus even when they died. That's what God wants to build into our lives. A faith that will be strong and that will last until the day we die and then are transported to see Jesus. So these all died in faith without receiving the things promised. But they saw them in the distance and welcomed them. First thing you and I can do to strengthen our bond with Jesus Christ is to welcome the promises of God into our life every day. The word welcome here is a very interesting word. It means to wrap our arms around or embrace. So look at it this way. Visual picture. Give the promises of God every day a big hug. Hug those promises. That's one of the ways that we can strengthen our bond with Jesus Christ is by getting up every day and sort of reaffirming the promises of God from his word into our life. Literally welcoming them, embracing them, hugging them. God gives us these great and precious promises, Peter says. Why are we not embracing them every day? One way we can strengthen our bond with Jesus Christ is by welcoming the promises of God into our life every day. Secondly, he goes on to say, and acknowledging that they were strangers again and foreigners on the earth. The second way you and I can strengthen our bond with Jesus Christ and our connection with him is by acknowledging every day that we are simply temporary guests just passing through this earth and that primarily the decisions and the choices and the priorities of my life and the values of my life are not going to be directed to earthly temporal things, but to eternal things. Are we living every day, even as Christians, more with a view to eternity or more with an earthly view? If you and I start living with more of an eternal perspective, that's going to start strengthening that bond that we have with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is all about eternity. It's not that that makes our earthly life irrelevant. Our earthly life is very relevant. But the only way that our earthly life really has relevance is when we bring eternity into the equation every day that we live. And so every day we should wake up and in order to strengthen our bond with Jesus Christ, embrace his promises in our life. And then secondly, we should be aligning our life more with eternity than with earth. In fact, that's what the word acknowledge really means. 
It's not just simply, yeah, God, I know that eternity is coming. It's more like the decisions and choices and priorities of my life are now going to show other people. It's a public thing. That's what acknowledgement is. It's not just something private between me and God. It's that other people can see that I'm living more for the life and the world and the eternity to come than I am putting all my eggs in this basket, earth, because it's going to pass away. Third, verse 14. For those who speak in such a way, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Third way we can strengthen our bond with Jesus Christ is by seeking our true home where we belong. Verse 14. And the word seek here means an intense, strong desire for something. I don't know about you, but the longer I live on this earth with all the stuff that's going on in the world today, I wake up every day going, you know, Jesus, it'd be okay with me if you took me home today. (laughs) I'd really like to be with you and be in heaven. That'd be so cool. The rapture can happen, Jesus. I'm I'm ready. Because I want to go home. Because again, this earth is not our home. Jesus said, I'll tell you what your home is. It's a place that I went and I personally made ready for you. And I prepared a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. This is what blows my mind. Is that Jesus Christ loves you and I so much that not only did he want to save us and forgive us of our sins and sanctify us and all that... He wanted to make an eternal personal residence for us in heaven, suited exactly for us. Some of you in here, you know, you're into the whole design and and maybe even, you know, fixing things up. And do you realize that the architect of the universe has made you personally a residence with him in heaven and he's he's taken the time to to get into the details and and the colors that he's picked out and the furnishings that he's picked out and all of these details that he's picked out he did just for you and me and he said now that i've done all that i can't wait for you to see it i didn't just die on the cross for you i made you an eternal home with me I can't wait for you to see it. And that should be where we want to be. Our heart should be to be with Jesus and be in heaven. That's the intense desire that these people had in the book of Hebrews. They woke up every day saying, Jesus, I know as long as you give me breath, that again, my life is relevant here on earth and you've got a job for me to do. But I want you to know that every day that I'm here, I'm living as if eternity's coming and I can't wait to be home with you. Paul said in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship isn't here on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. Do you remind yourself of that every day? You're not a citizen of earth only. You are primarily as a follower of Jesus Christ, a citizen of heaven. Fourth way we can strengthen our bond with Jesus Christ. Verse 15. In fact, if they had been thinking of the land they had left, they would have had opportunity to return or literally turn back, which is what the recipients of this letter were getting ready to do. They were getting ready to quit following and turn back. And so the key here is thinking. (laughs) What are we thinking about? Notice the author says, you know what? If they would have kept thinking 
about what they had given up and what they had left and where they had come from and living their life in the rearview mirror. Oh, there's always opportunities to go, you know what? What's back there is better than what God has ahead of me. There's always those opportunities, he said. But see, they didn't think about that. They left their past in the rearview mirror. They weren't like Lot's wife that, you know, God delivered and then they, she looked back. They weren't like the Israelites who God delivered out of Egypt. And then they were like, God, we want to go back to Egypt. No, because their minds were occupied on what God had ahead of them, not living in the past. As Paul said, forget the things that are in the past and put your focus on where God has for you to go now. And that was the secret of strengthening that bond they had with God. Our thinking is so important. And every day, you and I not only have to welcome the promises of God, not only have to acknowledge that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth, and not only seek the home, the true home where we belong, but we've got to correct our thinking. And we've got to start thinking more about what God has ahead of us than where we came from. Because again, Too many Christians go, I've given up too much or I've lost too much by being a follower of Jesus Christ. And again, I'm here to just remind all of us, including myself, you and I can never give up or or lose more by being a follower of Jesus Christ than what God has for us. We cannot outgive God. Whatever we lose because we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we will gain so much more, not only in this life, but obviously in the life to come. And the final thing that will strengthen our bond with Jesus Christ is what are we aspiring to? Verse 16. But as it is, they aspire to a better land. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city. He's made everything ready for them. The word aspire here in the net Bible in verse 16, again, is a very interesting word. It literally means to stretch oneself out to something. And the author is reminding us that every day as a human being, we are stretching ourselves out to something. We're trying to reach for something. We're being pulled towards something every day. And the way you and I strengthen our bond with Jesus every day is by stretching ourselves out to Him and to the things that He has for us that are better than anything the world could offer us. So often as Christians, we're stretching ourselves out for that extra thing in my life and this thing in my life because that's what will make me happy. And, and this, this thing over here and that thing over there. And we're, we're making a lot of sacrifices and we're stretching, stretching, stretching and sometimes almost to the breaking point. And yet God is here saying, I have an altar for you. Stretch yourself out to me. Pull yourself Be pulled towards me and spiritual things and the better things that only I can give you. And when we live that way, that bond that was created when we became a follower of Jesus Christ can be strengthened throughout our life. So like the folks in Hebrews 11, we will be, it'll be said of us, they died in faith. They were still believing and trusting in God and following Him even to the day they died. They were not like those in John 6 
Or even maybe like some of these in the book of Hebrews that were either going to quit following Jesus or were very seriously contemplating following Jesus Christ. The author has clearly declared to all of us today as followers of Jesus Christ that in Christ we have and can have everything we would ever want and need. He is absolutely sufficient. In fact, Paul said to the Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, you and I as Christians are complete in Jesus Christ. If you feel incomplete in some way today and you're a Christian, then you've got to correct that thinking. Because the Bible teaches us that if we have Jesus Christ, we are a complete, whole human being now because we have aligned ourselves with our Creator and our Savior and we are complete in Him. We don't ever need to look outside of Jesus for anything or anyone else. If we have Jesus, we have everything we would ever want and need. Not only now, but throughout eternity. Would you stand with me as we pray? God, I pray today that all of us would examine where we are and who we are in following you. Maybe not everyone here is even a Christian. And certainly I would urge you today that if you are not a Christian, there's never been a time in your life where you placed your total faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation that you would seriously consider doing that today. Because I will tell you based upon the authority of the Word of God that until you do that, you will feel incomplete. You will feel like there's something missing in your life. No matter what you seek to stretch out for and add and go after in this world, there is nothing that this world can offer you that Jesus Christ can offer you. But as I said at the very beginning of this message, This message was primarily directed to followers of Jesus Christ. Those who are already saved and have started down that path of following Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ today is reaching out to all of us, stretching himself out to us and saying, will you still follow me no matter what? Will you seek every day to strengthen that bond with me so that no matter what comes into your life, what goes out of your life, what you face in life, what is thrown at you, you will still follow me no matter what. You will say in your heart, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. God, use this time together to just solidify and strengthen all of us in Jesus. Because it is only in you, God, that we have everything that we will ever want or need. These things we pray in Jesus' name.